Welcome to the live shows. Live shows. <laughs> we gotta wait for somebody to come on. When you do, do you wait for people to come on usually, or how does it work before you really get rolling? Because I always wondered that on lives. Facebook you usually it's right away. Facebook you go right away, and then no, yeah, this one it's just whatever. So we'll do, we can concentrate on the Facebook ones. All right. Here's Steve Flickinger. He's always on. Go ahead and introduce yourself to my people, and I'll introduce your, myself to your people. All right. Uh, Eric Davis, um, head coach for uh, Plymouth uh, Freshman uh, Baseball Program, and also do a little bit of uh, summer and fall baseball for the uh, younger youth uh, ages as well. And I'm Andy Dirks, former Detroit Tiger. Uh, played in the big leagues for about three years, had a few back surgeries, got me out of the game, but I like to help players, coaches, Give my in, in, uh, thoughts and input and then get thoughts and input from uh, people who are doing it on a daily basis. Look at that. What happened there? I don't know. Is it still rolling? Yeah. All right. So we're going to just uh, open a discussion. Basically, if you guys have any questions as we go. Yeah, it has been a while. We've been busy with the real estate business. But if you have any questions as you go, you might fix yours while we're waiting. Yeah. Uh, just let us know. I think uh, a few of the topics we're going to hit today is what's it like you know, developing younger players, being his, he's a, a freshman baseball coach, that's freshman in high school in Plymouth, Michigan. You know, what did it take for those younger kids to be able to get up to that level and then from that level and beyond? It's only going to do certain times. We'll have to just stick with this one. It's not working? It's it's timed, I guess. Mm. So you only have an X amount of time to do it. So for Well, okay, we'll do this and then shoot it over to you too. So uh, first first question. What do you want to What do you want to talk about? First question, uh, basically, the uh, what would be the typical off season um, for mainly for uh, to start off with eighth graders mm-hmm. coming into high school, getting ready for entering that next level of play. Yeah, now uh, the the no off season is the new thing, right? Yeah. Yep. Like no off season hashtag. I work harder than everybody. Hashtag uh, grind. You know, uh, when you're when you're younger. You know, baseball is important in your life. It should be. You're working hard at it. You want to be a great baseball player. Uh, but I always encourage young athletes to have some other interest, whether it's playing the piano or maybe school. You know, God forbid we go to school, right? But, uh, but have something else other than baseball because baseball is long seasons. And, and go hang out with your friends. Go do something. Like, don't just make it to where seven days a week all you do is baseball in your free time, because uh, I see kids get burned out, yeah. and I do. So it's awesome that you're excited about it, but maybe three teams is too many. You know, Just be smart about how many teams you're, you're on, what you're doing, uh, talk to your coaches, especially on your primary teams. You don't want to exhaust yourself. And I know that some of the kids out there now are getting pulled in like 50,000 directions, and it's tough to make decisions. But guys like this can help you make decisions with that. In the off season, uh, obviously you want to work on what's going to make you uh, a better baseball player, right? Not necessarily just a better athlete. I think we get caught up a lot in the weight training and the strength training and all that, which I, there's nothing wrong with that. I think those are good. But what are the actual skills that we implement in the game? What's the mindset that we're going to implement in the game? What are some processes and ideas? What's the actual activity that I'm going to do in the game, right? right? As a, Like if I'm an infielder, I need to be taking ground balls yeah. and lots and lots of them. Yeah. And I see a lot of times, you know, they, they kind of piddle paddle around their ground ball work, but they, they'll go and, and do like lunges and squats for three hours, 
you know, and I'm like, well, the ground balls would have been better to do your swings, you know, are you getting your swings in? How often uh, should you swing? For me, you can, you can do some kind of swinging at least five times a week, I think, you know, if, if not every day. But like we said, I don't want to get kids burned out on it. Because when they get in the season, you want to be excited. Oh, yeah. You want them to be like, I remember, because I used to play football, basketball, baseball, but I would be so excited for the next season. It was like, yes, let's do it. I'm pumped. Where I, I see, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, more baseball. It just, because it never stops. Right. You know, so in the off season, definitely take some time. Hang out with your friends. Uh, parents, you know, uh, the kids are going to show that they want to do something. Especially if that's their only outlet, maybe try to help them find something else too. And then baseball wise, you know, stick in there and keep doing your baseball stuff to improve. And then you build it up towards the season. So start off a little bit slow and then slowly build in, build in, build in to where you have it ramped up to where that excitement. It's like before that first week and tryouts, it's like, yes, I can't wait to go play baseball. That's the feeling you want them to have. Not like I'm already burned out. All I do is play baseball. This isn't even exciting. Right. Uh, the other um, thing that um, some people had some questions on, like when they're doing multi-sports, a lot of these uh, college recruits obviously are looking for multi-sport uh, student athletes. Um, what's your take on it when they get into the, um, not just two sports, when they try to do three, how much time are they leaving to dedicate to the sport that they want to pursue the most or for the Absolutely. Good future? question. You know, I, I came from a little bitty town in Kansas, so I played everything. Right. But, you know, in Metro Detroit, these high schools are huge. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be good enough to probably play everything. Right. You know, you're going you're, you're gonna to excel in baseball, or you might excel in basketball, or you might excel in uh, lacrosse, or whatever it is. And you're naturally going to gravitate towards what you're good at. As humans, we usually kind of naturally want to gravitate towards the thing that we succeed in and that comes a little more naturally to us. Um, I still think it's good to, to if you have a passion, right. go play another sport, even if you're not the best player. If you're the best player on the baseball team, but you really love football, I don't see a problem with going out for the football squad, playing those uh, nine games, you know, playing that ni- those nine games, doing the practice, the camaraderie. Because the, the things you're doing in football will breed over to helping you in baseball. Absolutely. You're, you're staying in shape. You're working on agility. You're doing a lot of – and you're working on the team aspect that would blend right into baseball. I think we usually have issues or see more of the issue where it's like basketball to baseball because mm-hmm. the seasons are trying to overlap a little yeah. bit. Coaches want their guys. They think they're their guys. This coach thinks it's their guys. How do you navigate those waters? I think the, the key to navigating those waters is the coaches being – understanding that, hey, these are young men who are not necessarily all going to – what's the odds they're ever going to make a living doing it? Right. Right? It's, it's pretty small. Why do we, why do we play uh, high school athletics? Right? Because it's a good outlet for young men and women who have some energy and are active people to go out and learn some things while they're doing it in a structured manner. Right? Because if not, we would just go out and just like – Hit, hit, throw rocks against the tree and just do a bunch of crazy stuff. But we like a structured sport yeah. that's got rules. It's, there's discipline involved. You know, you don't miss practice. Once you sign up, you stay going out. Uh, I think those are all good things. But when it comes to coaches in our society in America, we really get on that win wagon right around high school. Yeah. Really before now, I mean. But in high school, it's like win. 
right? Especially at the varsity level. And uh, I think sometimes, for lack of even caring as much, probably as, as we should about the kids right. and the young, the, they're not kids at that point, young men and women who are in, uh, in, the, in the, the sport, what's best for them, right? Instead of what's best for me. And that goes to parents too. Oh, yeah. Because we, parents always say they want the best for their kid, but sometimes I don't see it. I see more of they want what's best for them through their kid as opposed to what's really best for my kid here, <laughs> right? And I think those are all very touchy subjects. Yes. Extremely touchy. You know, if you go to a parent and, you're trying to, and you were trying to explain to them that, no, this might not be best for your kid and they disagree, like that's not going to be a, a, that's not even an argument. They're just going to be mad. Right. You know, Absolutely. so all these things that, that, that we're having to deal with in sports, it's, it's a little bit sad because sports are supposed to be exciting and fun and the kids are really supposed to enjoy them and they're supposed to learn from them, learn from the process, learn about what team being on a team is. And now you see kids that are jumping all over. They got five different baseball teams, but they don't have like a core team. Right. They played on 10 different teams, but they never had like a core group of guys for a season that that good, bad, or ugly, they were with, you know? I think there's, I learned as much from losing teams as I did winning teams. And I think we lose that mindset when it becomes just about the individual player too. Yeah. So, yeah, I think once they get in, you know, when they're playing for their high school, um, it's a little bit more controlled. Uh, Michigan's got a rule to where they can't participate with their travel team programs Mm -hmm. while they're in season. Um, I think that the problem really lies into the summer, like you said, where everybody's just trying to play yeah. two or three of the best teams and just, you know, especially pitchers, you know, pitchers who are just going to kill their arms before, a, you know, technically they're off season for, to gain yeah. anything is going to yeah. happen. So. Yeah, that's not, and health, right? Because yeah. really we need to protect kids. Yeah. As coaches, you need to be there to be the, the voice of reason yeah. as opposed to the voice of winning. Yes. Like there's re there I everybody not everybody wants to win. That's not true. Like everybody says everybody wants to win. I don't agree with that at all. I think there's people that could care less. Everybody says that because our society says you need to win, you need to win. It's, it's beaten into our heads. But there are people who want to win probably too much. Like do, they would do anything to win this high school baseball game, right? Yeah. And I get it. We want to be competitive and we want to go at it with that, hey, I'm going to come and compete. Because you're learning how to compete at those levels. Like, Absolutely. what's it really mean to compete? And that means, you know, putting it out on the line and doing what it takes. Um, risking things like running into walls and, and going hard and playing the game and a little bit of intensity and sometimes it gets heated, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but that's real life. Yeah. Like those are things they're going to have to learn to deal with anyway. In business, sometimes things get a little heated, yeah. right? But we learn to calm them down. Um, my biggest uh, uh, thing going back to, okay, the kid is an individual, right? The kid is an individual in our society. You have a team that you're trying to cooperate with still. Yeah. So the kid can't just be an individual. He's got to start coming into the team and where's that start? The leadership with the parents and the coaches is usually yeah. what it goes back to. Yeah. And then understanding that the kid can trust you and the parent can trust you with, with their kid's health. Do injuries happen? Of course. There's no way you can keep you know somebody oh, yeah. slide in a second and they sprain their ankle. It just happens, right? It's pretty much every year you're going to deal with some kind of adversity with injuries. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if you can get on the same page, because some parents are more protective than others, 
some parents want their kids to just go out there and blow it out. Like they, they're like, suck it up, be tough, learn that route. Then other parents are like, he's watch out. He might get hurt, you know? Right. So you get both, both sides and it's finding that, that, uh, that responsible means to the competitive versus the, the go get it until you hurt somebody. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. And it's a tough, it's, these are tough topics, tough things. What this guy say? Ways hitters can develop a proper load. We'll talk about hitting later, Ward. How do you handle parents that just see their kid as, oh, I think what you mean is how do you handle the parents that think their kid's the best on the team when they're not very good? All-star? Yeah, every, every parent, I'm a parent now. I have uh, little, little kids. They're not in athletics yet. But I already think, I find myself already naturally wanting to think they're the best thing. I'm like, man, my son is so smart. Like he reads, I think he's reading when he's really not, but I'm, you know, so that's good. Cause that means that the parent loves their kid, right? Like they want their best for their kid. They love their kid. Those are the type of parents we like. Um, and then, you know, just being realistic with them. Yeah. I think setting, setting the expectations early. What yeah. do you do with that? Uh, so we ask that, um, you know, for the parents, um, the kids got enough stress and pressure as it is. We try to get the parents to just be there to support them and cheer them on. Um, whatever they, you know, whatever their dreams are or their goals, just be supportive of them. Don't be critical with them. Mm -hmm. They're getting all that from their coaches, um, especially at the high school level. Um, we just ask, you know, hopefully that uh, the parents allow the coaches to coach, um, let them develop, and let the process happen. You know, because every every program. Is going to have a process. Mm -hmm. What their what their goals are for each kid, each level, um, and just you know we're we our hope is to for the parents to just let uh, put the trust in our process, you know, or, or whatever program you're with, trust the process, let it happen, um, you know, and you'll see the results. And try not to be critical with your own kid. Try to be there to just to be supportive of them. I, I think there's a lot to be said about that because you think about like my journey. I played on a few different high school teams, not because I had a choice. We just didn't have high school summer baseball at my high school, so I had to go to a different high school. But and then I had I played junior college for two years, Division One for two years, mm -hmm. then like low A, high A, double A, triple A, Dominican big leagues, right? Yep. Like all over the map with different ways to approach baseball, different coaching styles, different hitting coach styles, different uh, fielding styles, like different managing types. And you have to learn as a player to how do I fit my game quickly into what that manager is looking for right. or what that coach is looking for. And that's one thing that I excelled at and it helped me yeah. because then opportunities come more often because I was never the best player on any of the teams until I proved myself a little bit. You know, going into junior college, it wasn't like I was some highly touted recruit that had the starting center field job, no doubt about it. Nobody's ever going to come in and beat Andy out. And same way when I went to Division One, right? It wasn't like I was just this highly recruited, you know, my scouting ticket would have been like uh, running below average, hitting below average, you know, speed <laughs> below average, below average, right? Right. Um, but my whole game, I looked at it as how can I be a great baseball player? And then when the manager, coach, you know, we call him manager, it wasn't pro ball, but it, how can you help your coach implement his philosophy 
quickly. So, right. for instance, in, in um, junior college, we were a very small ball-oriented team. Mm-hmm. No, you know, home runs were like, no, 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 don't do that. You know? And then in Wichita State, it was more like, hey, let's get the head out and let it fly. So I had to learn the small ball game yep. to make sure that I had that working. Then Wichita State, it's like, you know, you can bump for a base hit and do some of that, but swing that thing too, you know? Like, uh, and then, so I have to morph kind of, okay, what do they want here? What do they want here? Uh, when, when I was playing for Leland, he didn't want us to steal a bunch of bags when Miggy's hitting behind him. Right. Because you get thrown out, you're like, you're an idiot. You can score from first in Comerica on any double Miggy hits, and he hits about, you know, at the one year he hit like 60 or whatever, right? Right. Doubles. So um, understanding that whatever uh, the coach is implementing and trying to do, find ways to help it happen how does how can you help the coach make that happen if he says hey i want to be the best first to third baseball team in america this year and the balls hit to right field go first to third like just go man you know and and hey i want to really get good ball and dirt reads this year show them that you're you're on it like you asked me you want me to get ball and dirt reads and you want me to get to second and take advantage i'm on this you want me to lay down a bunt i'm gonna lay down a great bunt i know where to bunt every time you want to hit and run? Hey, I'm all, I'm all in, right? And I think at times, kids, people build kids up yeah. at a young age way too much, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, everybody's saying they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and the kid's head. It's just getting bigger and bigger. And if you play long enough, it'll pop. Yeah. You know, the bubble will pop. But, but uh, keeping kids humble is important, right? Absolutely. Keeping them on their toes. Some kids need a little push. Some kids, you know, they need a little pat on the back more than others. Some kids, they, they need more of that, hey, get after it. Let's go. And kind of light the fire. Yeah. And that's your job. That's yeah. why coaches Absolutely. get paid the big bucks at Plymouth. The freshman coaches get paid the big bucks to know who to light <laughs> and what to do, right? So uh, let, me, let me ask you this. Like when you have a group of kids come in, because you don't get to choose. Like in pro ball, somebody's chosen these guys to come to their team. They're all pretty good players, right? Correct. Now, when you get a new crew in, their eighth graders coming in to be freshmen, mm-hmm. it's not like you can say, well, this is my philosophy. I want to be the best. I want to be the, the power hitting team. And then you get a bunch of little short midget guys uh, that are a bunch of middle infielders and can't hit the ball out of the infield. Right. So how do you approach that? Well, I think it's, it's different each year because you're going to get a different kind of selection of kids every year. Um, you're going to get one year you'll get really big kids, like you said, or um, – you know, smaller end or a mix. Um, you really just gotta take it, come to trials of uh, you know who's who's going at it a hundred percent. Who can actually? Who's got good baseball IQ? Who you, you're looking at their hands, their feet, um, not so much their size at that point, right? Because um, it's again, if you've never seen them, just because they're big doesn't mean they're going to be. Uh, Baseball coordinated. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot that plays in that. Um, you know, uh, we're we're looking at hands, feet. Talk about baseball IQ for a little bit because, you know, this is something that's been overlooked for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. I didn't have any baseball IQ until I really got into junior college. Yeah. Um, not because it was anybody's fault, just because I was from a small town in Kansas and and we just went out and played. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, baseball IQ, we're looking for, obviously, kids that, uh, that know the correct way to, um, to do T-work, soft toss, um, how to read plays and uh, read the, the hitters that are coming up that they've already seen or 
um, you know, as a catcher, you got to be able to read so much. You're basically the leaders of, mm-hmm. of your team. Um, you know, you got to be able to read everything that's going on in the game at every single second. Um, same thing with pitchers. It's, um, you know, do they, can they pitch for, um, you know, can they hit their spots? You know, it's not about how fast I can make that gun. You know, it's where are you at with pitching? Can you pitch and can, can yeah. you field your position? And do you, exactly. do you know to cover first yeah. when the balls hit the first? Yep. These are things, even in pro ball, like, you know, you get the younger player out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, pro, pro ball coaches, they don't deal with, like, pitchers coming in or fielders. But mainly pitchers, if they don't know how to field their position, they don't advance. Right. They just don't. Like, I don't care how dirty, how filthy they are. If a guy can't field his position – they just stealth, they, they're done, especially as a starter. If you're a starting pitcher and all you care about is pitching and you think you can be like Felix Hernandez and not field your position that well, uh, no. Because most places aren't going to allow you to advance unless you know how to field your position. It costs the Tigers a World Series. Yeah. PFPs, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I think on the defensive side of the ball, which is very overlooked, it's more – actually, people look at it more now – you know, with the different ways that they do analytics and statistics, uh, defense does matter a little bit. Yeah. They see how many runs you can save, which I wish was implemented when I played, but that's a different, different topic for a different day. Um, knowing where to be wherever, whenever the situation arises before the ball's hit. Like, that's one of the biggest keys I see young kids fail at. It's the ball's hit, then the next thing you know, they don't know where to, what, where to go. Yep. And that's a lack of, of, hey, let's figure this out in practice. The kids have to give some attention to it. Yeah. And then understanding how many outs there are, understanding what inning you're in, understanding what the score is, understanding where the base runners are. Mm-hmm. So each situation mm-hmm. is going to be a little bit dependent, right? And the more you're aware of these things at a younger age, the more they just naturally start clicking in the game. And understanding that the, the runner at second – if you're up by two runs in the seventh, do you play seven or nine? Uh, for freshmen, it's two fives. Two fives. So in the fifth, yeah. doesn't matter. Right. Keep the guy at first base all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a base hit. Don't throw home. Throw it to second. Like, like the coach shouldn't have to tell you these things over and over and over and over and over and over and over. You need to start figuring them out for yourself as a player. And if you're a coach, drive it home. Yeah. Like every day when you're doing your drill work. Make different situations happen. Make different things go off in their head. All right, one out, uh, runner at second, hit a ball in left center gap, see what they do. You know, and get them used to those situations and try to get as game-like as possible with it. Like just just make it, just pound it on them. Like all of a sudden, just start doing that and hitting them and okay, Yell, yell out a situation and hit the ball hard at the third baseman and see what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, that's that reaction mode of, okay, here, we need to be on this thing because it, it can change in a hurry. So when we talk about um, players developing and um, like they're, we tell them every time that their, their time to develop is at practice during mm-hmm. drills. You know, you got to give 100% every single drill that you do because that's, how, that's the way you're going to get better. You're not going to get better on the field unless you translate what you do with the drills. Um, and so what's your message, obviously, growing up and developing in the different levels as far as how you took drills and how seriously you were or um, what were your expectations from your coaches going through the motions? I wanted things that would translate to the game. That was always my biggest mindset. Uh, so when I'm hitting, I would rather work on getting a base hit the other way, something that I might actually do in the game, 
then work on, you know, now they work on more exit below and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I wanted a swing path that was going to work in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different situations, because, you know, I have small ball coaches out there. I have big ball coaches out there. I have, and there's coaches all in between, but being able to just have a swing that works in any condition, whether you're feeling good or bad, um, keeping it simple that way, yeah. you know, more of that, uh, uh, instead of if everything goes right, I'm going to hit this ball a long ways to even if everything doesn't go right, I got a chance to be productive. Yeah. That was my mindset with my hitting. Right. And, uh, that takes a lot of time. Hitting is, that's one of those things that takes a lot of repetitions. It takes a lot of learning and a lot of failure Yeah. to get it, to become a good hitter. Right. Because yeah, we all have our natural gifts in life and some guys are just naturally better hitters, but there is a point where you have to work. Yeah. Um, as far as like fielding goes with drills, very important. Every day you should do something in base running. And this is, this is like practice right before the season, during the season when you're in the, in, the, in the modes, right? You need to do base running drills. People don't do base running drills like they should. Ball and dirt reads. Get used to being on the bases. I don't care if it's the, uh, uh, the catcher who runs a, you know, eight five sixty. I don't care. Like the slow guys can be excellent base runners. You know, because then you start learning when to take the next base, when to take the next base. So in every drill, infield drills, whatever, try to incorporate some base runners and mix them in. And then as far as fielding, always focused. I, and how do I, how am I going to do this in a game? You know, I was an outfielder, so we did a lot of drop back drills and stuff. But as I'm doing them, I'm trying to, how am I going to implement this? I got a ton out of uh, batting practice. You know, and it depends on where your situation and, and batting practice, but getting live reads off the bat was the best thing ever for, I think, infielders, outfielders, everybody. Where your focus is, yeah. you know, when, when I went from center field to the corners, mainly center field to left field, I had to train myself where to look because it was so strange because I used to seeing the ball just come in and come out. I can see the ball the whole way, right? You go to the corners, there's an angle. You can't track the ball. Your eyes aren't fast enough. So if I'm in left field and right-handed hitter's up, I need to look in the hitting zone out in front of his body to get the best jump. I can't look at the hitter right? because that's not, not where the ball is. Right. Like, and those are things that you learn, and those things are things that I've learned over the course of doing it thousands and thousands of times and a lot of repetitions. Uh, when you're doing drill work, it's way better, in my opinion, to do – less reps with extreme focus, like less, less reps, especially in the batting cage. Sometimes guys go in and they just want to take 200 swings. Are you working or are you just swinging? All right. You know, and there's a time to just, you can have fun and go to the cage and, you know, throw each other BP and just hit. Um, but I always approached it with, I was working on something with, if I'm on the tee, I very rarely just put a ball on the tee, set it down the middle and just tried to hit it. Like, there was always a purpose. I'm like, and I'm moving the tee around in places that are challenging. Right. Like, way back here, and I'm like, okay, if I, you know, try to take my normal swing and see if I can uh, stay behind the ball a little bit and hit it over in the net, like this way, or way out in front of me, can I still hit this ball up the middle? Can I stay through the zone long enough? Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Right. Yep. And as opposed to, okay, just get in, bang a couple. I think coaches at the lower levels rush kids too much, too. Because we're all on time frames, and it's like, how many reps can we get? How many reps can we get? And the kid's just like, bing, 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 next, bing, bing. 
you know, yeah. and, and nobody can even breathe. And the coach is like, next, 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 next. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, I get you're trying to get the reps and you only got usually one coach or whatever and you got a bunch of kids, but couldn't we just section it off to where maybe only half the team hits today? And you know what I mean? Yeah. To where the kids are actually working on something. You can say, okay, what's your issue here? I see, you know, you got the Tommy Topper guy who's not staying inside the ball. We got to work on that. Right. Like, how do, we, how do we make time to work on some of these things? It's before and after practice. Yeah. If, you want, if you ever want to be a good baseball player and you're not there early or late, depending on when the coach might have availability, and, and there's coaches that are usually gracious enough with their time to say, hey, if you need anything extra, maybe I'll throw you some front flips after. And it's funny because we used to do that in junior college, and I would always be early and after, and there was like a core group of about four or five of us that really succeeded. Right. Just, we were putting in, doing that little bit extra. Because you can't just work on your path and practice, you know? You need that extra before or after time. And some kids have, you know, hitting coaches, and I can see that being always a struggle, where he's telling them one thing, and you're telling them another thing, and... He's not seen him in the game, but he's telling him if he, he does this, he'll hit. And then you see him in the game, you're like, dude, your swing's too long. What are you doing? You know? Yeah. And then the yeah. kid's frustrated. But uh, I think finding things that work in the games, all that, that's all that matters. I don't understand why that's not our focus all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I think, you know, the pressure that these kids get and um, some of it comes from parents, you know, like, we, you know, they're trying to live part of their life through their kid or so they'll try to seek either the best option or multiple options so they're seeing like two or three different styles mm -hmm. you got one that's trying to completely change everything about them you got one that's trying to work on this mm -hmm. so you you really got to find that happy medium that's not gonna um, be discouraging you know you gotta go with where, wherever your platform is of where you're gonna your base of hitting is and just work on the techniques to, to get you to the next step um, to becoming a you know good contact hitter, opposite field hitter, um, you know the, a lot of these younger kids, uh, you know coming through the program, you know we tell them to hit them opposite field, and a lot of them just have no idea. They look yeah, like, they look like what is that even? Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. You got to start somewhere. It's yes. better to have the questions, and if you're watching, it's better to ask. Like I don't know what it means to hit the ball the other way. That's how you start gaining baseball IQ. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're how old you are, if people laugh, if you, people might think it's funny, but who cares? Like because at the end of the day what you what you need to be is what I call an independent ball player. Yeah. Somebody who can make adjustments in in your you can make adjustments in your game on the fly. The only way you'll do that is if you understand yourself a little bit. Understand your swing a little bit, right? And it takes time to get there and a lot of times guys can't achieve it in high school. But if they go on to play a little college ball or maybe a little pro ball, if they're you know fortunate enough, um, those are things. And in high school, it's better to have a kid that you know is going to go out and play. You don't have to tell him twice to do something. He'll make an adjustment for you, right? Yeah. I, you know, there's nothing more frustrating for a coach than the kid that steps in the bucket and airmails one, and then you're like, hey, step back at the pitcher. Next pitch, he steps right back in the bucket or whatever it is, you know. Uh, some of that's out of the kid's control if it's in his head and he's had some issues with it in the past, but sometimes kids are stubborn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sometimes kids are just flat-out stubborn. I know you're a pro, but if... I'm not a pro anymore. I was. Was a pro. I'm old and fat now. Uh, coach, 
do you ever get yelled at by the coach if you miss a sign? Yeah, in college and in high school, we used to have to run and run and run and run and run. I would rather have gotten yelled at than the amount of running I did if we missed signs. Hey, my wife's watching. Hey, babe. <laughs> All right. Let's see. How do you feel? How can I develop a winning culture as a new coach? Ooh, that's a good question. It starts with having some principles, right? You have to have some core rooted principles that you don't get away from and everybody knows them. And it's like the law, right? It's like your law that you've created for the team and everybody knows if you break the law, there's consequences, Yep. right? Yep. What are some of yours? Like, do you have, do you, have you ever written out, like, this oh, is our philosophy and our principles? Yeah, we have um, core, core standards that we have for our program, um, rules and conduct, um, not just what the school, you know, provides uh, for them to, to follow. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> you give 100%. Um, effort. Yeah, yeah effort. Time, yeah. you got to have effort. Um, Sam, can you give me no, some more coffee? Yeah. As far as, uh, you know, we got... Your basics, we don't allow, you. you know, obviously swearing for the kids. Uh, they're on school property. You're representing the school. You're re representing your teammates, your coach. We don't want them swearing anyway. Exactly. There's no, no point. Um, no throwing the equipment, you know. We're mm -hmm. respecting everything about the game. Um, so back to the running. We make them run if, you know. Yeah. They're throwing yeah. Their equipment. There's, it, so you have the, the good structure is uh, rule. If they break the rule, there's a consequence. Yep. Which running is a good consequence. That gets yeah, people's attention. Um, I know in junior college we ran, we were like, ran more than a track team. <laughs> but it's because there were so many players in there, you have to see who really wants to be there. Yeah. You know, and, and the guys who would put up with the running and put up with all the practice, the long hours and everything, at least he knew, hey, I don't care if this isn't the best player, uh, they want to be here. Because that's what, that's what it comes down to is who wants to be there, right? Yeah, attitude's huge. You know, I mean, oh. this game is ninety percent mental. Yeah, you know, and if you can't control your emotions the right way, then you're not going to be successful. Especially the lead, the older players, and you know, you you got the same age group. But as guys, there's usually some kind of leadership on the team, and you got to have a guy or two that's that's leading at least by example. And the teams that really struggle are the teams where the clowns somehow get at the leadership role because people think they're cool. Or whatever, and they respect them because they're cool, and their parents are cool, right? And those teams always struggle. Oh yeah. Because they're looking up to some clown who's who thinks he's too cool for school, and those kids always burn out. They never go anywhere. And then the teams that succeed are the ones that have a couple core core people who, hey, they're they're on the ball. They're doing what the coach says, and people look up to them. Absolutely, I think uh, to that gentleman's point about you know new being a new coach, I think. Uh, Instead of having you know one of your players step up and say he wants to be a leader, you got to really change it up and you know it starts as simple as when you're doing stretches and you know uh, all your basic uh, workouts, um, change it up of who's leading your stretches and things like that, and you can really see the the difference in the attitude and who's going to take it serious enough, and that's pretty much how you're going to want to pick who your real leaders are, so you don't end up with just you know two or three clicks on the bench because. You know, that's the thing that we don't allow is we don't we don't want the clicks. We we don't want the two guys sitting in that corner three over here. We yeah. Want, everybody's together. You're either a team, you're one team, and that's it. Yeah. And some of the best programs I've been on and even talking to other coaches, 
there's everybody has something they're doing, regardless of if they're playing or not. Yep. You know, because you can't play everybody. It's just the way it is. You have to have extra guys. Not everybody can play. But you have a guy, you know, the, the one of the pitchers is taking pitch chart, or one guy's job is to go get foul balls, or, you know, one guy's job is to, to make sure that the, the, he's trying to pick signs from the coach. But give him something to always be a part of the team and always functioning, as opposed to talking about Fortnite and the, the good-looking girl that they saw in math class, right? Because right. that's always a struggle, uh, attention. Because uh, it's at that age where young men especially – don't want to listen. Yeah, they, they, you start knowing it all, and I went through that phase, and I think everybody's gone through that phase. It's it's a little can be a little frustrating for parents and coaches, and obviously there's great kids who listen and and they're on the ball and they're trying hard, but there's always some that don't. But you're going to have both types. Yeah. So the winning mindset of a team is we all understand that we're here for the benefit of the team. And we're doing whatever role that, that, the, that the team needs us for right now, and we're doing it as well as we can, whether it's going and getting foul balls yep. or doing the pitch chart. You know, there's nothing worse than the pitch chart guy gawking, not paying attention. He's 15 pitches behind. He doesn't understand that you need these pitch charts, so that way we can see did he throw a 2-2 curveball this time or not. And how, you know, was, right. what was the base hit on and how did this work out and how did this work out? And he's over there gawking and just kind of doing it halfway. Yeah. Well, you're, you're discrediting your teammate on the mound. Developing your IQ. Ex- IQ. Boom, watch the yeah. game. Like, pay attention to the game and you learn a lot from just yeah. sitting and watching. Everybody's got a role, you know, whether you're in the game or not. Everybody's got a role to play. Um, so no matter what your role is, you know, give 100%. So if that means you're, you know, keeping track of the pitch count, um, scorebook, you know, it, they're all important. They keep you engaged in the game. They keep you knowing what you're, what they're doing. Because if you're one of those guys that comes off the bench, whether it's a pinch hit, run, whatever, and you don't know what the situation is, then it's not going to end well. Well, it ends up – so everybody – and I see this often. People are like, oh, the coach, he just won't play me. Or whatever it is, the coach doesn't like me, this and that. But then what happens is they're in such a negative mindset yeah. that when their opportunity comes, they weren't paying attention, whatever it is. And then they have that anxiety feeling of I have to perform at this extremely high level now that I've been talking all this yeah. crap. Or they're not ready at all or they quit caring. And when, when you go to the plate and the coach says, hey, Dirks, uh, you're up to hit. If you don't know where your helmet and your bat and everything are and that everything's ready, and you go into panic mode and you're looking for batting gloves and helmet, you're, you're not in a, the right frame of mind to go hit. Yeah. Right? Or pinch run or whatever. And then you're running in and you're like, I don't know how many outs there are. The first base coach over there it might be a player. Yeah. And he's over there like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm over here chewing bubble gum and, and swatting flies, you know? Yeah. So uh, that is where, okay, always be prepared. And it's the same way in life. Right, because opportunities uh, come if you keep pursuing them. Yeah. If you keep working and keep pursuing, opportunities will come. And when they come, it's a matter of are you ready for them or not, or do you even recognize it as an opportunity? Your pinch run could turn into you scoring a run. Yeah. Then you have to stay in. It goes an extra innings. You hit a home run later. Or hit, a, hit a game winning hit. Oh yeah. You know Absolutely. which happens. Yeah. The baseball finds you. Don't forget that the baseball finds you. I see it all the time. The guy goes in for to play defense and first first pitch, whack, right to him. You know, are you loose? Nope. But did you make the play? Yep. <clears throat> yep, not being ready. So, you know, 
mentally being into the game. You know, it's the bottom line. You got to be there if you're not mentally there. And that goes to practice to the game. Yeah. So practice should be more strenuous, more mentally fatiguing than the game. Because this is the problem. When the game comes, it, the game's faster. Yeah. Always faster than practice, right? So things just happen faster. Your brains, your adrenaline's pumping. Different things happen in the game. So in practice, it needs to be more intense. Yeah. So that way when you get in the game, you can almost try to be a little more relaxed. Because you have to be relaxed to play baseball, right? Yeah. And your, your practice has got to be 100%. Practices should not be fun. Right? Yeah. There should be nothing but hard work. Yeah. Because if you don't put in the hard work, it's, your games will not be fun because it's going to show it. You know, it's going to show that you didn't put in that effort um, and, or you didn't pay attention um, or you're not into the game. And that's going to you know, trickle down the line of what you're going to be like in the game. The fun comes, the fun comes, and especially for you as a coach, but as for kids and parents, the fun is seeing a kid who goes from one level of baseball or one skill set of baseball, and this is the kind of player he is, to working really hard and then getting better. So I don't care if you go from awful, awful to just terrible. That's great. You know, improvement is all, improvement is what we're striving for that's where the work comes in yeah the hard work reaps the reward in the end right it reaps the fruit but the problem is you might not end up being the best player on the team still but that's okay because you went from so bad that that it was it hurt watching you play to you know i could probably deal with watching him now yeah you know oh, yeah. or you can go from average to above average yeah. or you can go from above average to really really good and you go from really really good to man Wow. And then you can go from below average to average, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely. But that improvement, that's where that, that encouragement, like, wow, I see you working. I see you getting better. Yeah. I think as a coach where it's fun for us um, is seeing the pitchers executing the PFPs, the infielders translating steel ball drills into the field to where they're got their feet positioned right to make that throw to first. Um, hitters, you know, staying in the zone, um, keeping their eye down on the ball. You know, it's, it's just those things when they execute it is what makes it fun for us because it kind of is like letting us know that, not you know, we did our job to get them to this point. They did their job of executing it during practice. Yeah. So. That's good. This guy's giving some love. Plymouth will rule the rivalries on campus this season. Go Cats. <laughs> you know what he means? Yep. He knows what you mean. I don't. Sorry. What up, Eric? Hey, do you know John? Yes. Hey, John. All right, guys. Uh, let's see here. Andy, what hitting coach had the biggest impact on you and why? That's a good question. My junior college hitting coach, obviously, because um, he kind of started molding me because I didn't know anything about hitting. I didn't even know I was standing inside the ball, man. I didn't, you know, right. we didn't. I just got up and saw it and swing, which was a good way to do it, but I could have got, I got better once I learned some of the, a little bit of the technique and the mindset behind it and Hey, trying to hit the ball the other way and, and using my hands and learning how my lower half can affect my swing. Right. And then in pro ball, it was Toby Hera, who was, uh, our hitting rover. Um, he, he kind of understood me cause I was, I was in a generation that was coming right out of the steroid era and it was a big, get your front foot down or super early and launch. Right. Like, and, and turn. And I couldn't hit that way because I'm very linear-oriented linear, uh, because I'm bow-legged. 
Like if you see, if you watched me, like I'm very bow legged. Like I, I just had to stride and get something, and I'm not a big guy, so I had to get something moving towards baseball to put anything behind it. Right. You know, or else I would just been like uh, just slapping it around, and you can't. You, the punch and Judy stuff would work maybe if I was a shortstop, but I was playing left field, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I at least got to be able to hit doubles and triples, right? And hit the ball with some authority. Uh, those were probably my two biggest influences. And all of my other coaches, if you're watching, you, I love you all. You were all good influences. <laughs> all right, got any more questions, guys? When our 12U team won a key game with a 3-1 to put out, very proud. Awesome. When you're moving back to Kansas, um, probably never. I do love Kansas, obviously. How many swings a day did you try to get in college? Okay, so I I am big about rout, uh, routine, right? For me, it would be a lot of okay. I would go out early. Sometimes I was by myself. Like at Wichita State, I would just go out by myself. Me and Connor Gillespie actually. Um, we would go, me and him would go to the cage before practice to get our swings in off the tee. Yeah. And we'd throw each other some front flips. Um, I always felt bad because he threw amazing BP and I throw terrible BP. And, and I was like, well, at least I'm getting better and you're, <laughs> you're not. But, but this is what I'm saying. So Connor Gillespie was a supplemental first round pick mm-hmm. with the Giants, played in the big leagues off and on. Um, for quite a while. Then I ended up playing the big leagues with the Tigers, but we were the two guys that were out there. Me and him. Getting all the work put in, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but, and we were two of the best players on the team that year. Right. We were the best players on the team, but we were still out there getting our work in on the tee. Where the other guys, some of the other guys weren't. And there was other guys that would join us and stuff. But just for example, like the best players on the team were still going out and hitting okay. before practice. Right. It wasn't like, okay, we're the best players on the team, so we can shut it down. No. You know, and that's where that's why we kept advancing in levels. Okay, excellent. So Brian is actually my son. He's actually in the Navy stationed in uh, Washington. Awesome! So Thanks for your a, service, Brian. Um, so he's got a bunch of uh, his buddies that are watching us and yeah, tuning cool. in. So who had the smartest IQ on the field? Well, it was me, of course. No, former Tiger. Um, in the to be honest, most guys in the big leagues have pretty good IQ. They have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. Um, Miggy's got a, a, a weird brain that's a little advanced because I think he sees the baseball different when he's hitting, especially. Um, Victor Martinez, very intelligent, very intelligent. Justin Verlander knows the game out now. I mean, if you really, if you just go down the roster, like Donnie Kelly when I was there, yep. uh, Austin Jackson, you just, you don't, it's funny because when you're at that level, you don't see a ton of bonehead mistakes, and when you do, they stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, like it's like that guy didn't tag up. Yeah, like are you kidding me? <laughs> like he's on he's on the not top ten, and everybody's laughing at him. And that and there's think about how many baseball games there are, mm-hmm. and there's like one play a week. Yeah, out of all those baseball games, yeah, and there's like one play where the guy just completely screwed out. it up, right? And that's a lot of baseball being played. Where if you took that sample of like college, yeah, it's just like nonstop. Like, oh, what, what's he doing? Stop! Why is he doing that? No, don't do that. You know what I mean? But it's just because you played longer and you're getting more mature in the game. I think Miggy's got a uh, a different set of uh, 
eyes. I don't know if they're necessarily human anymore. Well, <laughs> it, how yeah. quick he can pick up everything. Yeah, and he works hard. Yeah. But this is the thing, you know, guys have that natural ability. Yeah. But Miggy's still working hard, and he's always hitting, and was always working on hitting, and you know, and even though he was the best, mm-hmm. he was still he won the triple crown. And he was like that year. It's not like he got halfway through the year. I'm the best. He just kept doing it, kept doing it, and kept doing it. That's where like the hitting routine. So go back to your swings. I would take like, I would usually start on the tee. And I love front flips from coaches where they sit on the bucket behind a screen and just flip you balls underhand. That was the best way to get like rhythm, some timing and feel your swing out. And then you can work the plate a little bit, you know, here, work on, here's some away to where you're hitting them the other way. Here's some uh, on the inside half. Here's some down the middle, you know, that you can work wherever you want. Um, I've always tried to do that every day in pro ball. In college, I did it every day too, I think. Well, you know, not in the off season as mu- quite as much, but definitely during the season. Yeah. So going back to like the soft tosses, you know, you obviously see a lot of videos out there of different pros putting up what they do. You know, going back to like Miggy's, how he does, you know, the three different ones. He'll do from the front, the side, and then literally almost directly behind him. Yes. Yeah. You know, just trying to just see how quick he can pick up that baseball. That's the stick through. I think they're just yeah. throwing him different tosses of speed as well, just to kind of yeah. get his eyes moving. So Miggy likes just front toss usually. Like he doesn't hit off the tee. Never. Okay. I never. I mean, he'll mess around. He's he thinks it's funny. He's like the the ball's not the ball's not moving, you know. But T for me helped me stay back back behind the ball a little bit because I was more of a go getter. Yeah. So it was good for me to work on you know trying not to get my body out in front of me too much. So it does depend on the guy swinging. Yeah. If you, especially if you got those lunge swingers. Yeah, and that's what I was. Yeah, that's yeah. good. But if you get the guy who who just can't get off his backside ever. Yeah. The T's not, it's not necessarily maybe the best tool for him. Because you need him to get something moving in the bat to get working forward. Right. Because he'll hit on that T and he just won't even move it. He'll just spin and lean back, right? Um, so you, you kind of, you do cater it to, and that's part of learning the kid, the kid learning himself. And find a routine. All you're doing with a routine and hitting and swinging and all this is grooving a swing to be confident in the game that if they give you a pitch, you can hit it. Yeah, you know, put a line drive on it somewhere and and make a good swing with a variety of pitches. The more you can hit, uh, the people love to work on their strengths. But if you struggle with the outside half of the plate, mm-hmm. you need to work there. You need to learn to let the ball travel a little bit and get a little bit deeper to be able to hit it the other way, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's those are things. Once you start getting those, the confidence level goes up. So what we're trying to build in a player is that confidence to just go out, be free and easy and play. Yeah. And not think about a lot of stuff. Absolutely. You know, going to the T work, you know, what we do is catering, you know, when you talk about catering the player, we're figuring out where their strengths are. Are they a pull hitter? Are mm-hmm. they up the middle hitter? And then based on that information of what, and what kind of swing they have, when we start with the T, we always, you know, have them start where their weakness is. So most of them are going to be away. Of course. You know, because that seems to be the struggle of late, of especially a lot of these younger hitters, that they don't that they don't know the right way to try to hit them all away. So, they think it's all about power. Yeah, or pull. Pull it because I can hit it further over there. Yep. The problem is, where do they teach pitchers to throw? Away. Where do you teach your pitchers to throw when down they start? Away. Strike one's always down and away. Yeah. That's why, as a hitter, 
learn to take advantage of that. Yeah. I know that the first 90% of the time, the first pitch up until about double A, the first pitch they were going to throw me with nobody on base was a fastball away. Yep. 90% of the time until I proved to them that I could hit it and get a base hit over shortstop or, you know, over in the six hole somewhere. Yep. So there's one hit. Yeah. Like there's my hit. And then, then what do they do? You're next to bat. They don't know what to do with you. Oh yeah. no, he hit my fastball away. <laughs> now what do I do? Now they try to go in or they try to flick me a curveball, and that's where you start doing some damage. It goes back to the baseball IQ, right? I mean, it, we don't, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there, whether it's travel or whatever, that they're telling their kids don't ever swing on the first pitch, but it depends on what level you're in. Um, and what, you know, you got to do your homework a little bit of who you're facing. Yeah. Um, you know, and if they're always going to throw you that first pitch fastball, you know, for me at this level, there's no reason to let it go by. Yeah. Because then you're just digging yourself in a hole, you know, and then especially at this level to where they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're, they haven't seen those quality curveball sliders, change-ups, whatever. And then they're putting themselves in that situation to where I had a game in high school fighting for uh, a game in high school. I, I think I was leading off though. I think I saw four pitches and I was three for four with two home runs and a double all on first pitch. I didn't, I swung on every single first pitch he threw. All right. Sorry. My wife was calling honey. Is it important? <laughs> um, but just for an example, because guys don't know how to make adjustments on the mound, uh, learning to attack the first pitch is good. When, then when I went to Juco, we didn't want to swing at the first pitch. We worked counts, yep. right? But so then I, had to, I, I learned how to uh, utilize that approach to my benefit also because they wanted us to go deeper in counts. They wanted us to see pitches. And then you learn, okay, where's the timing, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because runners on base, I mean, if you got guys in scoring position, um, the pitcher might attack you. Yeah. Trying to get ahead or whatever, or base is loaded, or he might try to flip some stuff and you get ahead a in the count. What do you do 2 0 with the bases loaded? You know? Yeah. Are you going to swing or are you going to take? Because then you're 2 1, and then he flips you a nasty one, then you're 2 2. But the 2 0 was right down the middle, you know? Right. And that's a, those are the things that uh, giving your kids some freedom to fail once in a while and understanding situations. So if the guy gets up in front of you, he swings at the first pitch, rolls over a ground ball, and he's out. Take one. Yeah. Like, you know, of the inning, because the last thing you want to do is you swing at the first pitch, two pitches, two outs. Yeah. You're, like, you're making it too easy for that pitcher to just go deep into the game, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a method to the madness and a, a reason and a, a rhyme. But uh, understanding that what the pitcher is trying to do to you and what baseball culture says, I was a left-handed hitter. So anytime a left-handed pitcher came out of the bullpen to face me, yeah. he's going to throw a curveball. Yeah. He's in there to throw a curveball or a slider. Yeah. You know, at some point, he's going to throw me one. So what do you think I'm looking for? I have to eventually start looking for the curveball or I'm just going to strike out. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's learning the game and understanding it. And then once you prove it, then the cat and mouse game starts. Yeah. So once you prove you can hit their fastball away, then the cat and mouse game starts and it gets fun. All right. We'll take a couple more. Then I, I think I need to call my wife. <laughs> Yeah. All right. When you're in the on-deck circle, how do you prepare for the pitcher? Do you look at anything while... Yeah, so on-deck, you should be already doing that in the hole. Like, when I say in the hole, everybody calls it something different, but I think that that's third up, right? So, uh, 
anything different while he's pitching to the guy in front of you. Obviously, if there's another left-handed hitter in the lineup, uh, I look at guys who are kind of similar to me and watch their bats close, yeah. right? So if a player is somewhat similar to, to, to me in the lineup, um, and be honest with yourself, like I wasn't exactly looking at how they were going to pitch Mickey. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, me and Mickey are the same. But how they might attack another left-handed hitter before me. Because pitch, pitchers fall into patterns all the time. Right. Fastball away. If it's strike one, they follow it up with the changeup or the curveball, or then they'll go in with two strikes. And pitchers got, you know, they, they fall into patterns. What's worked for them in the past, they continue to go back to, right? Um, but when you, you, you need to start focusing when you're on deck, looking at the pitcher, you should be watching them the whole game. Like I watched almost every pitch of every single game that I played in, I think. You know, just seeing, okay, what's he doing? What's his rhythm? What's his timing? Then when you're on deck, you know, you need to get loose. So I always take, just took some big swings before I'd go up to the plate and make sure I was loose and uh, time the pitcher up. You know, so as he's going, I'm going, I'm in my normal thing. And then as he starts coming, I'm acting like I'm actually hitting and I'm actually taking the pitch. But, uh, yeah, and then tunnel vision, you know, from there on out. And don't try to do too much. Don't overthink it. You know, just like, he's, like, like he was saying, practice is for practice. Practice is to build your confidence so you can just go play. Yep. So that's why you work hard in practice to where when the game comes, you can just go have fun, I think is what most guys say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're thinking about where your hands are, if you're thinking about your arm slot when you're pitching during the game, you're going to fail. You, all you have time to do in the game is, okay, I need to see the ball and be able to react to the ball. Yep. Get my sign from my coach. What plays on? What am I supposed to be doing here? Okay, if I'm just swinging, now what am I trying to do and have a plan? I'm going to try to hit a base hit up the middle. When in doubt, just try to hit a base hit up the middle. Yep. Right? Anything else? One last thing, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, we, between the three schools that are, we're all next to each other, um, got a lot of kids that are moving on to that next level. Mm-hmm. What would be your best advice for them? I mean, we got anywhere from D one down to D, you know, yeah, D three. Yeah. So anytime you go up, yep. uh, it gets harder. Yeah. It just does. Guys are better around you. I never thought of it that way though. I always just all I was concerned about was figuring out okay, what kind of role do I need to play on this team, and how do I best fit into this team. Right. And then how do I make my game as beneficial for this team as possible? Right. You know, I, it, it was so simple. It makes it easy and it makes it enjoyable. And then work. Yeah. The work, right? I think a lot of guys get so caught up in the politics. They get caught up in the off-the-field drama. They get caught up in he said, she said. They get caught up in worrying about what the coach thinks about them. They're worried about what their parents think about them. They worry about being a failure back home because, yeah, he went to college, but look, now he's not playing. Ha, ha, ha. You know, like you got to wash that and and just look at it as a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because it is yep. to go play college baseball for sure. Like enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy the guys. Enjoy, you know, the team and try to help the team win ball games. Yeah. I know that sounds uh, – that's silly in today's era. Right, like actually, genuinely try to help your team win ball games. Learn how to get hits. If you're a pitcher, how do I get these hitters out at the next level? Pick other guys' brains. Yeah, guys who have been there already. If you're at a D three and there's a senior who's been around and he's, hey, ask him questions. It doesn't hurt to ask. Right. I learned a lot from other players, you know, because they see they see what you're doing. Absolutely. So that's that's basically my advice: is you know, don't worry so much about yourself. 
The more you make it about yourself, the worse off you get. Because yep. then all the pressure's on you. Absolutely. You know, you can, <laughs> we don't want all the pressure on us. We need all the pressure away from us so we can just play. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. That was good stuff.